I'll now open it up uh, for time question and answer period. So if you are a brother in the church, please raise your hand and Brother Josiah will bring you the microphone and, um, and we'll get started. And we know that um, this topic too can be somewhat of, a, um, of an emotional topic because uh, we're very passionate about people obeying the gospel. And even more passionate uh, than that, we're passionate about uh, our young ones and, and, and our children obeying the gospel. So let's keep that in mind uh, and let's have a very uh, a loving and uh, an insightful discussion as, as we continue forward. So are there any questions? You give us some looks. Appreciate it, Todd, very much. Always enjoy getting here. I'm thankful that there was also a topic selected and somebody was willing to take it. Um, as someone who is a parent of teenagers, um, there's not a lot of good material and discussion about this, so I'm thankful uh, that you were willing to take this. So my, my question would be, you talked about the innocence of a child before the age of accountability. So is it fair to say the, the challenge that we're fighting as parents and, and leaders here, if they are baptized before the age of accountability, is that no longer effective? If we don't, if mm. we don't do this correctly, right? Mm. So there's, we recognize that there is a point. Do you know that though? Right up until yeah. uh, up until a certain mm. point. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is: Is it unreasonable to think mm. that some of the ages of some of the situations listed could they be used as a guide for a bare minimum? Again, I recognize it's mm -hmm. different for each, mm -hmm. but could it be used as a guide for a bare minimum? Because up to that point, they are innocent. Mm -hmm. They're not accountable to the law. You know, the Romans passage you used, mm -hmm. it's not get a lot, they're not accountable to it. So can we use these ages in some of these circumstances as a possible bare minimum? Mm -hmm. is, is my question? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, I, you know, I, I brought in, of course, the brethren talked to, uh, and one of the questions was about puberty and how it affects it and so forth. And and you can see in most people, as I mentioned, most people that go through about that stage in their life, that's when uh, a lot of uh, changes happen, not just physically, but intellectually and emotionally and psychologically. And so typically in that, that time frame, that's probably when the first occurrences of, you know, a morality and, and these kinds of things. But, but to the broader point, if I, if I am understanding what you're asking, it, 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 it comes back on faith. It really does. Because if I baptize somebody that I'm studying with, for example, who's 30 years of age, and I'm not saying they're innocent, but if, if they obey the gospel for not scripturally the right reasons, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm guilty for baptizing them. I went ahead and baptized them because I'm going off of what they're saying. I'm going off based on what they're telling me, you know. And I wouldn't want to inadvertently baptize somebody who's not really ready to be baptized, regardless of their age. But at the same time, you know, we, we can't, if I prohibit, say if I have one of our children who is, you know, I'm not talking about, and I think we established that, we're not talking about little bitty kids, but when we start talking about people that are going through the age of puberty, and they begin to question these things about right and wrong, and we're working with them. And then we get to that point where they're letting us know that they understand, as we talked about, they have the ability to know God's will, 
to make the decisions with regard to right and wrong, and that they know that their sin has violated heaven, then I have to walk by faith. I believe, like I would with any situation, that they're making that decision based on using wisdom from the standpoint of a guide, using wisdom to try to help them to make sure that, that they are making it based on Bible, the Bible standard. But I can't know with absolute certainty with anybody that I'm involved in with in their conversion to baptize them that their heart is right, that they're doing it for the right reasons, that they've repented. I've baptized people, in fact, <clears throat> not too long ago. And um, this is hard for me to say. This individual I studied with for a long time. He came to church for quite a while. Came from the community. And I baptized him, and he came to church two times after that. I got a text from him to let me know that he was, he was intoxicated and he probably didn't repent. That was hard for me to hear because I, I, I didn't, wouldn't have believed that. I was convinced. And so I'm just using him as an example to say that I think we have to be careful about, um, we have to use wisdom. We want to make sure that we're talking, like I said, and listening and utilizing Scripture and spending some time asking for a reprieve and all these things. But we also don't want to stifle an individual who may be, say, 10 years old, who's ready to obey the gospel, and then we, we put the brakes on it, and then they never obey the gospel. And so I, that, that was something that I wrestled with in the course of this study. And I don't know if that answers your question, but... A little bit. I mean, I, there's, there's probably other questions, so I can talk to you afterwards. But to me, that's why I asked the question, because I don't, I'm struggling in my mind to see how that's comparative. Because they're, to me, they're a little bit apples and oranges. And what I mean by that, you're dealing with, with grown adults making conscious decisions. Meanwhile, the Bible gives us everything that pertains unto life and godliness, and as parents, we're guiding people from an age of innocence into a different situation. So I don't, and so I'm, what I'm asking is, mm -hmm. did the Bible give us some of those situations with people's ages when they began to seek the Lord and so forth as a guide? Exactly. Possibly establish a bare minimum so that as parents, that what we're talking about mm -hmm. is could look like, I'll just use your illustration, the 10-year-old, hey, this is great. But you're not there yet. We'll keep studying. We'll keep praying. We'll keep working because maybe there is a, a, at least a bare minimum. Even though the, once you get above that, it could be any number of different ones. That's that's kind of I don't, maybe I asked my question better. I don't no, I, I get you. But look at Josiah. I mean, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. What's interesting, I would I'll ask you about this later. Mm -hmm. Verse three may change a little bit of our understanding of that passage. Because verse 3 says he began to seek the Lord in the eighth year of his reign. So that, that verse 2 could have been a comment about his reign as a whole, mm -hmm. but he's not giving credit as person to seeking yeah. the Lord until he's basically 16. But I don't want to, I feel like I'm taking too much time. Okay. Um, Brother Shahe and then Brother. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, when my son turns 12 or 13 or 14, and uh, he comes home from school one day, and he says, oh, mom, dad, guess what? I'm in love. Oh, I met this girl in my history class, and we've been talking about it, and we've decided we're going to make the lifelong commitment to each other, and we're going to get married. 
I would look at that and I would say, oh, you're still in the age of foolishness, son. <laughs> because you're using a bunch of words that you couldn't possibly understand what they mean. Mm -hmm. Love, what it means to make a, a lifelong commitment. And I would suggest, no issue with anything on this slide, but I would suggest there's, there's one more that we've missed here. And that's the ability to make a lifelong commitment to the Lord Jesus. And I think that's a serious matter. Baptism is not just about taking care of something from our past. Mm -hmm. It's about committing ourselves to King Jesus for the rest of our life. Now, I don't want anyone who was baptized at a young age in this room to think I think that that was improper. I was baptized when I was 13. But you know, in my later teenage years, I went through a real rebellious spirit. I was not a Christian at that time. And it really wasn't until my early 20s when I made what I would consider to be a genuine commitment to try to live faithfully to Jesus and have tried my best since that time to do that. And the passage that you used very early in your presentation was one that helped me a lot from the book of Numbers where even though it says the whole multitude of Israel, those 16 and 17 year old boys were out there with mom and dad saying, yeah, Moses, what's wrong with you? You brought us out here to die. But God doesn't hold them accountable right. for that. Mm -hmm. And they get to go to the promised land 40 years later. Mm -hmm. And I agree with Sean, the Manasseh passage is the same. It says Manasseh was 12, and then it says he reigned over Israel for 55 years, and then there's the comment. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. I think those are summary statements about their whole reign, not about how they were when they were little. So I'm concerned that uh, we have a culture that pressures young people into getting baptized before they're really ready. And then we baptize them when they're young, and we put all kinds of pressures on them to be people they can't possibly be at that age. And we put pressures on young men who haven't even hit puberty yet to get in front of a congregation of people. We expect them to be able to teach from the Word of God or to lead a song or whatever. That's a lot of pressure on young people. So I don't disagree with what you're saying in the sense that when young people come to us and they feel like they're ready, we should take that seriously. But man, I think that we've got a problem of pressuring young people way, way, way too early to make a commitment that they can't possibly understand yet. So just basically my question at the end of that long statement was, do you think we need a fourth category in there? Someone needs the ability to understand the kind of commitment that it is mm -hmm. to become a disciple of Jesus that's, Christ. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't disagree with you on that. Uh, Brother Anthony. You said a lot of good things, Todd. Appreciate that. But I think that, like Shahi said, I think there's a couple of more things to think about here. I, first of all, I'm concerned about a, like a blanket statement. I don't think it's wrong exactly, but you know, to choose good over and reject evil. I'll give you an illustration. In my daughter's family, their teenager who's 14 uh, did something recently that she should not have done no, no question about it. She's not a Christian yet, but she did something she shouldn't have done, and then she tried to hide it and deceive her parents. And when they discovered this, there were lots of serious discussions in that household and some consequences and so forth, as there should be. A few days later, my three-year-old granddaughter 
who's been listening to these discussions that are very serious about lying and deceit and so on. There, my daughter is driving, Emmeline's in the back seat, and she says out of the blue, Mom, I'm never going to lie again. Lying is wrong. Well, Darcy didn't even know she'd ever lied. She didn't even know what she's talking about. So now she's been listening to these conversations, and she got the point. Don't lie. Mom and Dad get upset. But that, she's not really ready to obey. She's three years old. Mm -hmm, right. Uh, so I think there needs to be something more. And to that point, I think that parents definitely need to stay engaged here. That's a great point that you made. Uh, but repentance is an important issue, particularly when we're, well, it's an important issue as part of obeying the gospel. Well, that's, I didn't, I didn't make that point on repentance, but, but when I said when they know they sinned against God, yeah. that's the state of penalty. Well, I think parents need to talk to children who say they want to be baptized about what they're repenting of. What do they feel guilty right. about? Right. I think guilt is an important issue because, you know, uh, when a child does something wrong, uh, when they're in the state of innocence and foolishness, they don't lay awake at night worrying about what they did wrong if they got away with it. Now, they might lay awake at night worried about it if they got in serious trouble and were grounded for a month. Well, I don't, you think that with every child? Pretty close. No, I would disagree. When I, when I obeyed the gospel, I was staying up late nights, you know, going into my parents' bedroom at one in the morning. Some of our children did the same thing. The conscience was being really convicted, you know. And so it's not, again, it's not something that, that we immediately rushed and went and baptized them like you might somebody that you've been studying that's 30 years old because you feel that they are of an age. But over the course of a year, sometimes a year and a half, and it's just, it's, it's this, they want to study, they want to talk, they, they're at a, at a point in their life where they're being convicted, not just because of their consequences, but because they realize that they have sinned against heaven. Then that's, that's, I think that's, that's where I was at anyway. Yeah. About your children or yourself or anything. Yeah. But I do think that obeying the gospel and making this lifelong commitment that Shahi's talking about. Sure. This requires some brain development physical brain development that little children do not have. It's, it requires abstract thinking. That is that Jesus died for me, that he paid the penalty of my sins, and I know what they are, my sins. And uh, this is abstract thinking, and generally, just generally, it doesn't develop until a child is practically a teenager. Uh, maybe a year or two before that, maybe a year or two after that. I'm not putting any age on it, but I'm saying the brain isn't developed enough to make this lifelong commitment stuff, just like she was talking about in relation to marriage or something like that. And so I think we need to think about it. I don't think of 12 years old as a minimum age because Jesus was in the temple. Mm -hmm. I think about it because of cognitive development is not there by that age until that age, most of the time. I'm not saying it's a blanket rule, but most of the time. 
And uh, also, I did want to say one thing. I don't think the age of accountability, whenever it occurs, I don't think it's a day, a point in time. I think probably it's like electrical wires that are touching and finally they melt together. So yeah. the person may feel uh, a problem at some time and they go on and forget about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I use the phrase a point, a phase, a period. Yeah, I think a yeah. phase. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. And see any other hands? I do want to make a comment myself. I, I think we're all pretty, pretty close here on, on what we're kind of getting at. We all have kind of the same ideas. Um, not that we all have to you know, stand up here and give a testimonial when we were baptized, but I was baptized when I was 13, and I was a moron. And I, frankly, I don't, I don't know But I don't know. I'm looking at your sister, Mike. I'm not saying anything that anybody didn't already know, but the point being that when I made that decision, I believe it was the right decision. And I believe I, at that moment, made a lifelong commitment, but there was no way I knew exactly how my life was going to go. And to Shahe's point a little bit, yes, there is, you need to have the understanding of what a lifelong commitment is, but sometimes we relearn what that understanding is. And I know for myself, I can, I can look back in my past and I can understand when I made rededications, not that my first dedication was ill-founded but sometimes and that to me that signifies spiritual growth is when you make rededications and when you rediscover your desire to serve the Lord and and I think even when you know let's talk about marriage obviously it's not a one-for-one -one comparison but a lot of young couples that I have talked to and have personal experience but those early years are much different than how it turns out later. There's a transformation, a growth process. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to look at it with old eyes. That here in my stage of life, I look at this young person and they're a moron. They don't know at all what they're talking about. And maybe that's not exactly the right way to look at it. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, you know, it's different for every person. I mean, and that's, that's what I wanted to try to establish is that because we can't point to one scripture that says this is as young a person can be baptized in Christ, then there has to be wisdom involved, you know, by all parties involved in the guidance of it and so forth and time used and prayer and study to be able to say that we, I've, I've got a good conscience about this thing. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not one of these things that, that is going to be a, bl a blank sort of a blank check for everybody. We're not going to be able to, to say this is exactly how it's going to be for every person. And I think that's really what I was trying to establish from the standpoint of the scriptures is that there's, there's, a, there's an individual responsibility that most people are going to be required. That I think we agree on. Exactly when that happens is hard to really measure. And so with faith and using wisdom of the scriptures and time and prayer, we have to lean on God to be able to guide us and direct us as in this situation as we would with our children when they're going to decide to marry somebody or leave home or whatever other decision that they may do. What do we do? We pray about it. We lean on God for his help. We ask, as James said, if any of you like wisdom, we ask of God who giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. We've got to approach it from the same, same standpoint 
And then if somebody, one of the questions that you guys had was, what happens if somebody finds out that they believe that they obeyed the gospel too young? Or, and we could, and a whole lot of other reasons that they obeyed the gospel and they shouldn't have. And so we, we probably all can list at least one or two individuals that we know. I know, I can think of one right now who, um, there's the brother right now in this audience tonight that rebaptized his sister in Christ a few years ago that was in her 80s and I talked to her about it and I asked her about it and she had been baptized when she was about 16 years and years before that. But she told him when she came back forward and, and decided to obey the gospel and be baptized again is because she just never was very comfortable. That's what she told me about that situation. And so what they do that night? She obeyed the gospel. And so that had to be left up to her. But thank you. Thank you. Are those your closing comments? That's my closing comments. Okay.